Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. We invite all those who are able to stand for the reading of Scripture this morning, which comes to us through the power of the Spirit from Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21. Let us attend to the wisdom of the Word of God. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life and honor. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And for our second lesson, again, you're invited to stand as you are able, out of honor and respect to God's Word. We continue our series in the Beatitudes. And hear these words from Jesus to us today. Repeat after me, please. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For they will be filled. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. We are pursuing the way of blessedness through our study of the Beatitudes. And today we come to this Beatitude spoken by Jesus. And when taken at face value of all the Beatitudes that, that we consider, this one may be one of the most difficult ones for us to identify with. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I believe it's in the hungering and the thirsting that we find our first challenge in this beatitude. In America, we are the most, for the most part, very well satiated as a people. Can I get an amen? There is very, very little for which we, we seek or lack. We've got an abundance of everything we could ever want and more. When was the last time that you were truly hungry? I mean, really hungry because you hadn't had enough food, or really thirsty because you had not had access to clean water. Now, yes, there are hungry people throughout the world. There are hungry people in the United States of America. There are hungry people who live right here in Columbus, Georgia. Just go to the chapel wing doors at 11.30 on Monday through Friday, and you will see men and women come to receive a sack lunch. We are handing out on the average of 200 of these sacks of food, which contain a can of Vienna sausage, a pack of crackers, a fruit cup, in a mint. That's about it. In a bottle of water. 
that they're coming out of their need, out of their hunger, out of their thirst, which is very, very real. And that's not to mention the safe house at Rose Hill United Methodist Church where hot meals are served three times a day, almost every day of the week, or Valley Rescue Mission, the same hot meals prepared there, Salvation Army hot meals for the hungry, and hundreds a day are served. But that's not us. We are the well-fed and the well-watered. With this in mind, I looked up some statistics on food consumption in our country. On average, on average, you and I eat one ton of food a day, or no, a year. <laughs> Yesterday after I ran, I felt like I could eat a ton of food. On, on average in one year, a ton of food for each of us. It breaks down something like this. 85 and a half pounds of fats and oils. 110 pounds of red meat, 73 pounds of poultry, 16 pounds of fish, 33 pounds of eggs, 32 pounds of cheese, 600 pounds of non-cheese dairy products, 192 in cereal grains, 141 pounds of caloric sweeteners, 42 pounds of those are corn sweeteners or corn syrup, 56 pounds of corn, 415 pounds of vegetables, 273 pounds of fruit, yet even at those levels they tell us we should eat more of those vegetables and fruits. And all of this includes, this is where it hits home, 29 pounds of french fries, 23 pounds of pizza, 53 gallons of soda, 24 pound, or gallons of ice cream, 24 pounds of artificial, artificial sweetener, 20 gallons of Pepto-Bismol, and 7 pounds of antacids. Those last two were not really in the report. I just added those. But the point is that we, in such a affluent and self satisfied culture may have a hard time getting to the true essence of what it is that Jesus is talking about when He talks about hungering and thirsting. When was the last time you really hungered and thirsted for anything, much less righteousness? When was the last time you experienced a deep yearning, a longing, an aching for something? Well, this is a good time to remind us that we are in the season of Lent. Lent is that season of 40 days of preparation from Ash Wednesday leading us to Good Friday and Holy Saturday so that we can celebrate Easter in all of its fullness and glory. Lent is that time that helps us identify a deeper hunger that we so often mask and satiate through other means. Lent is a time when many people adopt a discipline of fasting 
which is a spiritual discipline of the church from its earliest and even Old Testament days. A time when we say that we will make a sacrifice. We will give up sweets. We will give up chocolate. We will give up alcohol. Or it may not be a thing. It may be an activity that we'll stop watching TV. Or maybe we'll give up our social networking. I know somebody in our very congregation has given up social networking. Or our, our phones. And every time that we reach for that item or want to engage in that activity, it is an opportunity for us to more acutely realize what is driving a deeper hunger. To deny ourselves that thing and to identify with a deeper, deeper hunger that we so often mask. And that wanting, that desiring is a prompt to pray, to not pick up the pacifier, but to pray. Because we use so many things in this life as just that, a pacifier. Think of the child. How does the, how does the parent use the pacifier with the child? Oh, it's not time to eat. Oh, it's not time to whatever, but it's time to satiate the child. And so the pacifier goes in the little one's mouth and maybe it quiets them and settles them for a time, but there is no true nourishment in all of the sucking. It pacifies. It does not meet the deep need. And our deep need is for a relationship a life-giving relationship with the living God. And so here we are in Lent. And if you have not developed a discipline or taken on uh, uh, the, the discipline of fasting, let me say real, real quickly here, it's not too late. We're just in the third Sunday. There's more time between now and Easter. Why not consider fasting from something so that you give up something to identify a deeper hunger? Why not adopt then in the place of that thing a daily routine of reading Scripture and going deeper in prayer to be filled by that and thereby from that, fill, that fullness consider the third discipline. Fasting, prayer, and giving away from your abundance as you recognize your fullness in God through Christ Jesus to give away to those who are in need. And I will unashamedly say that a good way for you to do that would be to give to our global mission offering. Even if you have done so, consider giving again from your abundance. If you have not given to that way, why not use some of what God has given you in abundance to bless those who are at such a point of deep need in their lives through these ministries and those people that we are in relationship in the life of our church. So let us now turn to this deeper meaning of what Jesus means about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Clarence Jordan, the founder of Koinonia Farms down near America's Georgia, a, a commune of sorts, interracial, Christian-based, 
living in relationship with one another. That is what Clarence Jordan founded. He was also the writer of the Cotton Patch Gospels. And that is a Southern style translation of the Gospels. And Clarence Jordan translated this beatitude that we look at today in this way. Those who have an unsatisfied appetite for the right are God's people, for they will be given plenty to chew on. Righteousness, then, is yearning for, hungering for the right order of things in God's kingdom. The Scriptures talk a lot about the kingdom of God, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of justice. And righteousness is a deep yearning for rightness in God's kingdom, in the order of things in this world. But also righteousness is a deep yearning for a rightness in our human relationships with one another. To see the world operate as God designed it with justice and with, with peace, where all are treated fairly, where none of, no one goes to bed hungry, where children do not die from treatable diseases, and people are not exploited by injustices, and where the earth is cared for and preserved as God gave us stewardship over it. It is yearning and crying out with the prophet himself who says, let justice flow down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You cannot stop the sovereign God and to yearn to see that come to pass. This is hunger. This is righteousness on that scale of, of wanting the world to operate on earth as it is in heaven. And this righteousness, as I mentioned, is also wanting to operate rightly on a personal level. Righteousness is right living. Debbie said, doing the right thing. And the kingdom of God is the right order of things in our lives. Righteousness as right living in my life, in my relationships, measured by a standard this rightness is measured by a standard. We want to know that a ruler measures 12 inches and an inch is an inch. That's the standard. That a bushel is made up of four pecks. That is the standard. That the scales, when they show one pound, it is 16 ounces. That is the standard. It is a test of the rightness of these things by a standard. And so it is with our lives. The righteousness of our lives is measured by a standard. In Washington, if you want to know the standard of these things that I've mentioned, you go to the Bureau of Weights and Measures. They keep that standard against which all of those measurements are made. In the same way with righteousness, there is a standard, and it is the character that is shown to us in Jesus Christ. If we want to know whether we are righteous or not, we simply need stand next to Jesus Christ. 
He is our standard. In Him we see the standard that God desires for us. It is a standard for holiness. Holiness means otherness. Not being of this world, but being other and holy. Holiness means purity. Purity in thought, word, and deed. Purity in our relationships. Chastity in our singleness. Wholeness and covenant keeping in our relationships or marriage with another person. It is pursuing the beauty of holiness that we see in the life of Christ Himself. This is a tall order, no doubt. But it is unlike the, the order that the Pharisees or the weight that the Pharisees put upon the people who said, keep the Ten Commandments to pursue your righteousness. No, Jesus did not say, keep the Ten Commandments and you will be righteous. No, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And this is not to, 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 to let us have a, a way out or to ease the, the expectations of living to that standard. No, actually, when we study and follow Jesus' words in His life, it deepens and heightens the expectations of what it means to be like Jesus. For Jesus says you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And Jesus meant what He said. And we are to pursue that holiness and when we begin to understand this and, and take this meaning of righteousness, of right living and its demands, when we begin to press in on this beatitude at that point and what it means of squaring our lives with Jesus' desire for the character with which we live, we are coming to the essence of this beatitude. And we are also coming to the place where we are undone because we cannot live up to this standard. I can never match Jesus. I am not God. I am Adam. I am human, made of the earth. Who does Jesus think He is making my contentment, my blessedness depend on such a high and lofty goal or standard? I can never measure up, but it is in the essence of this quest that we find the treasure. When we arrive at this point, we are ready to take on what Jesus said. For Jesus does not mock us by setting, by setting a standard or offering a reward for something that God knows that we cannot attain. Jesus does not say, Blessed are the righteous. Did you hear that in the children's sermon? Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for this standard, this righteousness, this holiness. 
For the possession of, of righteousness is not the condition of righteousness. It is the desire for right living that Jesus is calling out of us. The desire for the right ordering of our lives and relationships. And this desire for Christ's likeness must be all-consuming. It's not a fleeting or occasional or passing fancy. It must become our compelling and constant passion. There's a story of a young man that went to Gautama Buddha. And he came asking to be shown the path to true deliverance. And the Buddha took this young man to the river, and it happened to be at the time of day for purification. And he thought, oh, we are going to begin this path by, by purifying ourselves in the river. And the Buddha took the young man out into the deeper part of the river. And abruptly and unexpectedly, the Buddha grabbed the young man by the back of his head and thrust his head underneath the water and held him there for quite some time. The young man finally, violently wrenched his head away from the Buddha's hand. And coming up from the water, the Buddha asked, what was your thought? What was your one desire while you were drowning? And the young man said, air! And the Buddha said, when you want salvation as much as air, then you will get it. I'm not sure that that's our desire in all that we do. I'm not sure it was that way for St. Augustine, a wonderful saint of our church, for it is reported that Augustine himself prayed to God, Lord, give me chastity, but not just yet. That kind of lukewarm, half-hearted wish for righteousness has no place with this beatitude that Jesus gives us today. Like the starving woman who desires food and would give up her own food for her hungry children, like the drowning man who gasps for air, so too is the person of whom Jesus speaks as hungering and thirsting for righteousness. For how can such a desire bring blessedness, we may ask. But that blessedness is going somewhere wholeheartedly and in that singular direction without regret or reservation. Reminds me of one of my favorite movies. Maybe not in the top ten. It's called City Slickers. I've talked about the movie before. It's about Billy Crystal and a cadre of these urban softies that go out to the West to learn how to be men and are cowboys and drive cattle across the West. And Jack Palance is the one who leads the cattle drive and is the old, the old, farm, the old uh, cow hand. And there's a, con there's a conversation between Curly, who's Jack Palance, and Billy Crystal. And Billy is saying, I'm seeking for that purpose in my life. And Jack Palance says, you must learn that the one thing is the most important thing. And Billy Crystal says, what is the one thing, your finger? He says, no. The one thing is the most important thing. And that is our quest, to find that one thing. And Jesus is saying it is pursuing righteousness.
right living. The psalmist says, one thing I do, one thing I seek after. Your face, Lord, do I seek, that I may dwell in your house. There's a story that E. Stanley Jones tells, a, a powerful evangelist from the first part of the last century. E. Stanley Jones tells the story of a little girl who was, who was told by her mother to do a certain thing. And the little girl said, I don't want to. And so the mother said, all right, do the other thing. And the little girl said, I don't want to. And the mother who was preoccupied with what she was doing simply said, all right, so do what you want to do. And the little girl replied, I don't want to do what I want to do. And how much can we identify with that dividedness that even exists within our own selves, not knowing what it is we really want? We know this dilemma if we're honest with ourselves. In essence, we are like the man in the cartoon who was visiting his doctor, and the caption reads as the doctor is speaking to that patient, this is a very serious case. The tests show you are allergic to yourself. And Jesus said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And how divided we are so many times in our lives and in our relationships, in our loyalties and in our allegiances. But here in this, in this beatitude, Jesus gives us the dominant desire. He gives us the major motive. Here Jesus gives us the preeminent passion. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Christ Himself more than they desire anything else. For they shall know the blessedness of those whose civil war has ended in peace the blessedness of the one who no longer does what they do not want to do. For God did not create us to be independent and try to figure this out ourselves, but God created us for a life of deep and joyous communion with God in relationship with the living God in authentic relationship with one another. And we can rest assured that we will never in this life arrive at the fullness of Christ-likeness. We will never achieve that ideal. Yet Jesus is always with us on this journey, yet being just a couple of steps ahead. Yet in that, our striving to follow Him is arriving at blessedness. The psalmist cries, as the deer longs for the flowing stream, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? And Paul writes, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the goal of the high calling in Jesus Christ. In this pressing on, in this yearning, in this seeking after lies the contentment of blessedness. Anything else, my friends, will leave us miserable and wanting. 
The beautiful study book that we are using for our Lenten group says this, we settle for trinkets when we wanted a kingdom. Our hunger is diverted to a thousand lesser things that will not make us happy. It goes on to say, we think we want food when we really want love. We imagine that sexual freedom will help us feel lovable. We want a relationship that can meet all of our needs. But no one can bear the weight of our longing, our need for God. And Jesus says, seek first My kingdom and then everything will be added to you. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And this is good news, my friend. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to Me will never be hungry. And the one who believes in Me will never thirst. Let us go to Him. Will you pray with me, please? Loving God, we thank You for the truth that Your Word imparts to our lives today. And may we take this truth in. And may it feed our souls with all of its wisdom and beauty and calling. For we confess that we are a divided people. We're deluded. We are distracted by so much. Lord, call us to that singular purpose of knowing You and You alone. Draw us close to You and thereby draw us close to one another as we seek Your righteousness in all things. For our good, for the good of Your people, and for Your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.